we doing this morning? <laughs> I ask one more time. You doing all right? All right. Well, let's get prepare our hearts for what God's going to uh, speak and, and just stir in our hearts this morning. Um, hey, Royce, would you mind grabbing me another cold water? My, uh, my throat is a little scratchy. So I heard another, another pastor mention and call the year 2020 a wilderness year this week. And uh, you can obviously maybe know why they would say that because 2020 uh, notoriously has been just a, just a difficult time, a, a, a year, hasn't it? COVID-19, racial division, um, a lot of political uproar and uncertainty there. There's been an unproportionate amount of loss just even in, in our destiny community um, and a lot of questions. And can I say just about the, the election that's going on, just as a side note as we, as we begin, please remember we've, we've been talking about this as part of, part of our church family. The number one thing that Jesus prayed for the church to his heavenly father, what did he pray? Father, I pray that they would love one another. I pray that they would love one another. Doesn't matter if they're Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian, or who they voted for. I pray, Father, that they would love one another as I have loved them. I hope that's us. Whether your side won or lost, I hope we're loving people and representing Christ to the whole world. The whole world. Not just the ones who think and vote like us. Jesus told us the world is watching how we love how we love. So Jesus said it, he prayed it. I hope we're doing that, loving him, loving others. I appreciate Reagan's words. If, if you weren't here last week, um, Reagan Pickerel was with us for men's retreat weekend and he shared with us on uh, Sunday morning as well. He's the third generation pastor at uh, Gillette Foursquare in Gillette, Wyoming. And if you were here, Pastor Reagan shared um, you know, the whole weekend and, and last Sunday morning about embracing change. That was the theme for the weekend. And Sunday morning, he talked about offense. If you were here, um, he, he said that the cultural norm right now is to be offended. But I love how he said it. He said, but we are not of this world. And so that's not our cultural norm. And, and so he talked about how our feelings have kind of become our theology in America. And it's creating a generation walking in offense. But guess what? Guess what? This morning, God will not and cannot be shaken. And so he's the same yesterday, today, thank you, Royce, and forever, amen? But the things of this world, listen, can be shaken. And I love how Reagan, Reagan said it last week, they can be shaken. And sometimes, hear me this morning, God will use the shaking to awaken his church. He will use a shaking to awake you. You want revival? You want an awakening? You want a reformation? A lot of times it comes through a season of shaking. So just hold on to Jesus. It was such a good word if he shared, uh, if, you, if you missed it at all, you can grab it on the website. It's all up there on the sermons page. I'd encourage you to do that. But um, so 2020 put us all out of our comfort zones. And when you think of the wilderness, um, you think of a place perhaps that you're not familiar with. Um, and there's a tendency when you're in the wilderness 
especially if you, know, you don't have any navigation devices with you or are unfamiliar with it, we have a tendency to get lost. There's a tendency for, for, for us to walk around in circles and not make much progress. And we've been talking about this as we've been going through this series. This is our fourth weekend, I believe, in this series. And today what I wanna do is encourage us to watch and follow Jesus as he models for us how to handle and walk through a wilderness experience. So before we do that, I just want to talk about loss in the wilderness. Um, and, and when you think about the wilderness, you think, you know, I mean, we've, we've, we've walked through, in the last uh, two months, we've walked through uh, four losses. And uh, you're just here at Destiny. And so t- two months ago, just to, to kind of backtrack just a little bit, um, two months ago, Bev Shankstead went to be with Jesus after a fight with cancer. Um, about three weeks ago now, our friend Joyce Hartman, she went into the hospital with heart problems and um, they, they wanted to put a pacemaker in. They did a COVID test. She was positive. She passed away two days later, not being able to breathe. Um, Diani's father went home to be with Jesus that week. And, and when the Waldrop family hurts, we hurt. So we felt that loss. And at, at the end of that week, I got a call from a police chaplain letting me know that Mana Hatley had ended her life at her own hands. So that was a shock to so many of us. And we walked through that with the family and we talked about the weekend following that destigmatizing, you know, conversations about depression and suicide and, and mental health issues in the church. And we brought in, um, who has now become a, a quick friend of mine, um, Dr. and Pastor Bill Mayrose um, from Love Inc. to lead a listening conversation that Wednesday evening. He's a suicide prevention uh, expert and pastor uh, doing that for over 35 years. I think it's close to 40 years. And God was good through all of that. Um, we cried some tears together and we shared some vulnerable moments and God used him to pastor us that evening. And um, then that week hadn't even finished. We were coming into men's retreat weekend um, last weekend and we were one night into our men's conference and I got home that night, uh, Friday night, um, and I got a Facebook message from Tabitha, Alex Gerardo Rivera's girlfriend. Alex, or Alejandro, um, is the proud father of Elijah who is dedicated to the Lord here in October. And his girl, um, Talia, who loves kids' church, loves Pastor Diani, you know, is she, she would would love to be here. If you if you knew him, Alex is known as um, Mr. Tamale. If you know him by his his Tamale truck, um, he, he loves to cook. His big smile kind of just fills a room. His his heart for feeding God's children, um, you know that that's what he called anybody that he would feed a warm meal. He'd call them God's children. I'm I'm, I'm so blessed to feed God's children um, today. He would always talk about that and give a warm meal to them. Um, So anyway, Tabitha messaged me on Facebook and asked me to call her, and I found out that Alex had been in a life-threatening motorcycle accident earlier in the week, and that he was being kept alive by a a ventilator machine in ICU, and would you go pray for him? And I got off the phone call, this was Saturday morning, and I, I wept. I mean, I cried a river of tears, and it just started to come. And when I started to get my composure, um, I let my wife, I let Pastor Deanna know she was out of town last weekend and I, I called Reagan, um, who was in town. You know, I was supposed to be going and meeting with him for lunch and before our evening session last weekend and I just told him what was happening. And honestly, I could hardly talk through the conversation. I was just so broken up. 
And uh, he offered for me to stay home. Not that it was his place to offer for me to stay home, but he did. And Pastor Derek uh, said, we want you to stay home. He was leading worship that weekend. And, and so I did. I, I stayed home last weekend. Um, and so you remember, if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about that we need to be here for each other, right? And um, that in the church, there should not be a stigma around those suffering through, you know, stuff like suicide, depression, loss, anxiety, and mental health issues. And, and so I don't know what it was for me. Um, maybe it was just the wave of all of the emotions of leading through loss over the past couple months that finally came crashing down on top of me. But whatever it was, I, I lost it. And I cried for most of Saturday off and on. I, I was just, just waves of tears. I, I needed to grieve. And I, I needed to, to just let it out. And I did. And I'm so thankful that you guys and Pastor Reagan and Pastor Derek and the team were all okay with me needing to do that. And so I don't really know how to say it other than, you know, you, so many of you reached out and ministered to me and that's what the body of Christ is for, right? That's what it's, it's best at, at its best. So you guys were there for me and I just wanna say thank you. So thank you this morning. Thank you for that. Um, anyway, I decided that it would be a wise thing for me to take the opportunity to, to try to catch my breath before another potentially heavy week. And um, on Saturday evening, I took my first walk down the new hallways of the redesigned Monument Hospital. Um, Sam Rockwell, some of you know that name. He's our district supervisor. Um, he's been here a couple times. Um, he gave me a call. He had called me earlier in the day just to check in because he had kind of caught wind of everything that's been happening. And he said something that kind of carried me through the whole weekend. He started by saying, Sean, you're inadequate. <laughs> and I, I probably should have been offended by that, but I know Sam well enough. We've been friends long enough. I worked um, in the district office with him that I know that he's for me. And, um, and so I, honestly, when he said it too, I kind of wholeheartedly agreed with the statement. And, but he continued. He said, Sean, you're inadequate. But he said, we're all inadequate. It's you're not going on your own strength or your own wisdom or your own power. And just remember that and walk in that and you'll be all right. And he, and he said this too, he said, let your grief, because I was still overwhelmed with grief on Saturday. He said, let your grief just join in in harmony with the family and God is gonna do the rest. And so um, I walked down that hall or should I say halls with an S, it's a long way from Fifth Street entrance to the ICU. It's about the, the longest walk that you can take in that building. And I repeated to myself the whole way, I'm an ambassador, I'm an ambassador, I'm an ambassador. I'm, I'm, I'm inadequate in and of myself, but I'm a sent one. And then I'm coming and I'm representing the Prince of Peace and I'm coming and I'm representing the healer and I'm coming and I'm representing the comforter and I'm coming and I'm representing the strong tower. I'm not all, any of that, but you are. And so the first night when I walked into that room after walking down the hall and just repeating that to myself, I walked into Alex's room and I saw him there for the first time being kept alive by machines and I cried again. And I sat down in the chair and I looked out the window and I just asked God very humbly to do what only he could do. And I was there probably 30 minutes or, or 40 minutes Saturday night and I got up and I walked out and all you can do is just leave it in God's hands. You gotta trust him, right? You gotta hand it over. And so I walked out and I went there again on, on Monday 
um, evening, very much disliking the fact that I already knew my way well around those halls, um, down to where ICU is located, and, and I met Alex's dad, who had just flown in from Florida, and his sister and his niece, who had just driven up from Pennsylvania. And there were several other family members um, that joined us via a Zoom call that evening to pray, probably another eight or 10 that were on the iPad. And so we gathered together and we declared the name of Jesus, um, just asking God to step in and intervene. Um, Just to give you just a little bit clearer picture, Alex's dad lost his only other son in ICU. And he's just, he's such a sweet man. And he, he doesn't want that to happen to Alex. And so, you know, I stayed and we prayed and we visited with the family and I was there for, for an, over an hour on Monday evening and then I went home, you know, inadequate. So inadequate, but a carrier of his light and an ambassador for his purposes. We all are, that's what we all are. We're carriers and we can rest in the fact this morning that no matter what happens to Alex, there really is no finish line. That's something Pastor Patricia Messer said to me. If you're watching um, Patricia this morning, thank you for that. Um, she shared that with me this week that, that you know there is no finish line for us. We are all eternal beings. And this is what she said, who simply crossed the veil of time. I like the way that she said that. Um, and whenever that time is for Alex, He'll just be crossing over into a piece that's gonna wash over him in the sweetest of ways and he's gonna see a big smile of approval from Jesus and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, amen. And so um, if, if you're not aware, he is still in ICU this morning and we're still praying and agreeing with the family for God to do what only he can do. And so let's pray. Let's stand if you would this morning, if you can. And let's just pray and ask God to speak to us this morning and we'll just start in praying for Alex and his family. So Father God, um, yeah, we, we just come in agreement with your purposes and your plans for Alex, God. And I, I think of Alex's family right now. Holy Spirit, you are the comforter and you're good at that. So I ask that you would comfort them in the way that only you can. A peace that passes understanding, perfect shalom. God, I pray that you would be with them and I pray that you would do um, what, what only you can do in Alex's body, God. Lord, the only way that he's gonna walk out of that hospital room is through through a miracle. And so we just put our trust in you. And so whether he walks out of that room or walks into eternity, we know that he's blessed either way, God. But we, we pray in agreement with Alex's family right now and we just declare life, that he will live to declare the glory of your name. God, we just um, stand with them this morning and God, wrap them in your arms, in your mighty name. God, in this morning for us that are in this room and watching online, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. All right, awesome, you can be seated. I'm gonna catch a quick drink of water if that's okay. So in a moment, we're gonna to go to Luke chapter four, and that's where we're gonna spend most of our time this morning. And it's where Jesus had a wilderness experience. But before we do that, if you can go over, and many of you have been in Hebrews chapter 11, you're familiar um, with the story there. It's the great faith chapter, um, called by many the great faith chapter, listing men and women of faith who did some awesome things for God. Many of them were amazing in their victories. Uh, many, of course, were martyrs for their faith. 
But then something interesting happens when we get to chapter 12. All of a sudden, we find two very interesting things. Um, the men and women from the, the chapter 11, the, 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 you know, the hall of faith, now they are in the stands. Now, the picture kind of like a, you know, they're in the football stands cheering on the team. And so they're basically cheering us on as we're on our journey and they're watching us run our race. And this race that we're in, as Patricia said, has no finish line, it's eternal. And so they were part of the race and now they're watching and cheering us on and we're on our race. And so they're watching us and encouraging us. And I want you to know that in your faith journey, you have those great people encouraging and cheering you on. But we're also encouraged as we get into Hebrews chapter 12, I want you to see this. We're encouraged to watch Jesus, to model after him and how he ran the race. And so let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm gonna read this from a paraphrase. I'm gonna read this from the message this morning because I like how it reads. So you can follow along on the screen if you want. Um, This is what it says. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he's headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. COVID-19, adversity, difficulty. And, And now he's there, it says, in that place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, the long litany of hostility that he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You hear that? The, 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 that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. Kind of sounds like a wilderness experience, right? So as the crowd of saints are watching us run this race, we're encouraged to watch Jesus because he succeeded in the race. And one of the things that I want us to observe from our Lord today is how he handled how he handled his wilderness experience. And there are three things that I just wanna share quickly before we go into the, the discussion as we go into the wilderness experience. And I want you to know three things. The first thing, just really quickly, is that you'll be tested. You will be tested. There will be a test. <laughs> um, well, so we'll come back to that. The second thing is this. The testing is good for you. It's good for you. It's good for me. So we'll be tested and we'll, we'll talk through this. We'll walk through this. But the testing is good for us. Luke chapter four, which is where we're going to spend most of our time in this morning. Verse one, this is what it says. And it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he returned from the Jordan. That's where he was just baptized, kind of a, a, you know, a spiritual high point in his life, right? And he was led by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit where? Into the wilderness. That's interesting. Oh, Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. Okay, interesting thought. So first thing I want you to take note on your, uh, is you see one of the values of testing is that it shows the validity of our faith. One of the values of testing is it shows the validity of our faith. It's been said that a faith that has never been tested cannot be trusted. But a faith that has been tested and has passed the test can be trusted. Have you ever wondered, you know, as a believer, if when it comes to the time for our earthly passing, if you will have what people call uh, the dying, that, that dying grace or that, you know, that peace that passes understanding when you get to that point. 
Have you ever thought about that? Um, I mean, there's, there's stories, you've probably heard them, of patients who are in the moments of touch and go, you know, and, and they're asking the doctor, am I gonna die? And the doctor's like, well, we're kind of in that moment. You're, we're kind of going back and forth right now. We, I, I hope you make it. And even in a moment like that, you know, having such an incredible peace. There's, there's, there's story after story of, of believers that have kind of walked through the storm and they've just experienced a peace that doesn't make sense. You know, having a calmness and a, and a sereneness in those moments. And if you talk to people who have lived through those moments and they will say, you know, I know that I know that I know that I know that I have a grace and I, I know that I will have a peace when that time comes. And why do you think they have that certainty? Why do you think they're so confident in that? Because they've already been through the wilderness and they've passed that test, right? The test has been passed. And so they walk in confidence in that way. Well, Jesus was tested in, in three ways when he went into the wilderness. So just really quickly, I just wanna walk us through those three different ways. He was tested in his humanity. Luke chapter four, verses two and four. So he ate nothing during those 40 days. And when that time was up, guess what? He was hungry, <laughs> he was human. And so the devil, playing on his hunger, uh, gave him the first test. And he said, so since you're the son of God, command the stone and turn it into bread. You know, Jesus answered by, he, through this whole situation, we watch him do it over and over again by quoting um, scripture. He quoted Deuteronomy, he said, man shall not live by bread alone. And so it, what he's saying is it takes more than bread to really live. And so one of the testings that we've had this year, and really in any wilderness experience in our lives, is that the, the enemy will test weak areas of our life. He's, you know, conniving and, and evil and will try to come in at our weak spots and, and try to attack when he can. So, you know, when, when you are weary and worn from whatever it is, you know, take your pick, you know, sickness, wearing a mask, the, the, the bickering and fighting surrounding politics, the, the protests, racial tensions, all of that, we can become weakened in our response and in our reaction. So Jesus was in a weakened state. Why? Because he was, he'd, he'd been in a, in a fast for, for 40 days. He was in a weakened state of hunger. And hey, have some bread. It'll fix all your problems. You won't be hungry anymore. The enemy comes in with that. It's situations where we have our tendencies and maybe our areas perhaps to sin. And Jesus went through that. And Jesus shows us how to pass that test. He's basically saying, I have a faith that's bigger than my hurts and I have a faith that's bigger than my weaknesses. And I don't live on bread alone because I know where my source is. That's kind of what he's saying there, okay. So the second thing that he was tested in was in his loyalty. He was tested in his loyalty. If you look at verses five through eight, this was the second test. Satan put the whole earth on display for Jesus and he said, all that you see before you, it's all yours to serve at your pleasure. And he said, I'm in charge of all of this and can turn it all over to whomever I wish. If you'll worship me, it's all yours. If you worship me, all of it is yours. And Jesus refused again Quoting some Old Testament scripture, he, he says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. In other words, the loyalty of Jesus was being tested. Psalm 27, one says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? During this, during any difficult time, 
But during this difficult time in your life, you don't run from your problem, you run to your source. Don't run from your problem, run to your source. And you can see that in the wilderness experience of Jesus. He's constantly running to the source. He's running to his father. He's running to the promises that he doesn't forget his promises, right? We sang that this morning. His loyalty was tested. Who are you gonna serve? His, his humanity was being tested. When he was weak, when he was hungry, uh, would you like to turn those rocks into bread? Because that, you know, you don't have to be hungry anymore. The third thing that was tested was his identity. His identity was tested. He literally, the enemy took Jesus up to Jerusalem and put him on top of the temple. Now notice the phrase, it says, if you are the son of God. If you are the son of God, jump. Because it's written, isn't it, that he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And they will catch you. So you won't so much as stub your toe. And Jesus responds and says, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. His identity was being tested. You see, Jesus knew who he was, but he also knew whose he was, right? And so that's, that's important for us. At his baptism, there's only two times where God kind of verbally, vocally told others about his relationship with his son. There was at his baptism, and it was at the, the Mount of Transfiguration. And at Jesus' baptism, as he was being baptized, the voice of God said three things. Voice of God said, this is my son. He said that he's chosen and marked by my love and that he's the light of my life. Those were the three things that Father God said about his son. Now, Jesus that day heard what every child should hear from their parent. This is my son. And Jesus heard, I belong. And then Father God said, he's chosen, he's marked with my love. Jesus hears, I'm loved. And then Father God says, he's the light of my life. And Jesus hears, I'm special. Father thinks that I'm the light of his life. You know, Jesus just heard those three, those words of identity. I belong, I'm loved, and I'm special. And then he was put into the wilderness right after that. Right after that experience, you and I will have our identity as people of faith tested during difficult times. And part of this testing is to find out if our faith can be trusted. Now, the last part of this going into the wilderness that I want you to know is that the testings will not stop. Luke uh, chapter four, verse 13 says this, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until what? until an opportune time. That's just, that's just the enemy's character. He's, he's waiting for an opportunity. Scott Peck, in his book, um, The Road Less Traveled, has a very interesting introductory paragraph. Here's what it says. He says, life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we can transcend it. And once we truly know that life is difficult and once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. <laughs> That's pretty huge. And I'm, I'm, I'm gonna repeat, don't run from the testings, run to your source. Don't run from the testing. So, you know, the enemy is gonna do what he's gonna do, but, you know, we have a source that's bigger than anything that the enemy can throw at us. So life can be difficult. And when people say, you know, when's COVID-19 gonna end? When is this 2020 season ever gonna end? And, and the thing is, you know, I'm not sure, but when it's over, there's gonna be another challenge. 
That's what the enemy does. There's always another test. It's what, it's, it's, it's who he is. It's his plan. And so, you know, we, we know this. Every, every dream that you have, every desire that you have in your heart, your hope to be a good parent, maybe even your hope to, you know, be a good, you know, son or daughter, your hope to be a faithful follower of Jesus, they all have some tests along the way. The parents can all say yes and amen. And, you know, what I want us to understand is that the enemy isn't going to give up after round one. That's, that's not his character. He just moves on. He looks for another opportunity. That's, that's who he is. So we're constantly in the process of being tried and tested. And that's okay because what the enemy intends for evil, God can turn it around for good. So it's not anything to be, you know, to, to be fretting about. It just makes us grow stronger. And scripture even says it gives our faith validity. So wow, okay. The testing can be good. So it's in the wilderness place you'll find that many leaders learn to lead and, and, it, and it's where we all learn to grow. And I think it's a place where, you know, we can even find it in the scripture where we are refined in the fire. Refiner's fire, right? Uh, as scripture puts it. So here's something to stop and think about in our right now situation. The right response to a difficult experience builds our character. The right response it, it makes us a better person. I might need to say that again. The right response to a difficult experience builds our character. Here's the way it works. It makes us better on the inside. Our inner workings grow when we, res- when we respond in a righteous way to the wilderness experience. So going into the wilderness, it's a fact. We're probably going to go into the wilderness. You will be tested. But the testing is good for you in the long run. And it's okay to know that the testing won't stop because the enemy is always looking for opportunities to kill and steal and destroy. That's just what he does. But let's come out of the wilderness experience and let's see what Holy Spirit can do through that because that's what I really want us to, we have a hope, we have a confident expectation. And so let's again watch Jesus as he comes out of his wilderness experience and what, we can, what can we learn by observing? So here's number one. When you come out of the wilderness, if you pass the test, then you will experience a new level of living. You will climb higher. How many of you remember Habakkuk, the clothed feet that will take you to every high place, up the steepest of mountains? It doesn't look like it, you could pass it, but he's given you hind's feet, it says, to, to cross and, and climb every mountain. And so you will climb higher. When you, when you come out of the wilderness experience, you will go to new heights. So we talk about you know, seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, there's gonna be a light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, happy day, right? But let me tell you something there's a new level that you'll be living on as well when you get to the end of the trip. And so it's, it's the end of this dark time that you're in. Verses 14 and 15, look at these words. I love the way the Passion Translation says it. This is even for Jesus. It says, Jesus armed with Holy Spirit's power returned to Galilee and look what happened. Comes out of the wilderness experience and his fame spread throughout the region. He taught in the synagogue and they glorified him. Isn't it interesting that Holy Spirit took him into the wilderness experience and then came out, brought him out of that wilderness experience and, and then was using that for, to spread his fame throughout the region. Isn't it, it's, it's amazing to think about that and to kind of process that this morning. You see, Jesus' faith, his faithfulness had been tested 
And he had passed the test. And here's what I want us to understand about this new level of living that you're going to be on when you come through this wilderness experience. Does, does faith always make your life easier? No. But faith does make you stronger. And, and that's what I want us to catch. Faith doesn't remove the problems. It equips you to partner with Holy Spirit and make you stronger to deal with them. Faith doesn't take away adversity or difficulty. Faith gives you the spiritual muscle to go through that. So Jesus came out of that wilderness and the Holy Spirit empowered him to impact a whole region. I love it. A whole region was glorifying him. He came out living on a new level and going to new heights, Holy Spirit with him. Something I I don't want you to miss this morning, everything you want, but that you don't have right now, everything that you want, but you don't have is outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> in, in fact, the, the reason that you don't, it's, it's the reason that you don't have it. If, if what you wanted was in your comfort zone, you'd be comfortable enough and you'd be secure enough, right, to just go and get it. But, but, but why don't we have the things that we want? Why don't we have the things that we need? Because it's outside of our comfort zone. So, so what did COVID-19 do for us? What did this year do for many of us? What does the wilderness experience do? It takes us out of our comfort zone. And this, listen, just hear me out. This could be a very beautiful thing because the moment that we are outside of our comfort zone, we might as well now go and get the things that we've wanted to, or that we've been called to even, that we've never ventured out to get before. Maybe it's the things that God told us to possess. And, you know, how, was, how, did they, how did they get to the promised land? Right? They were in the wilderness. Maybe it's the promised land, if you will, that we're heading towards. But we've been too comfortable sitting on our heinies. <laughs> and we've been kicked out of the comfort zone nest. And so wherever you are right now, take advantage of your uncomfortableness. In fact, can I just say this? COVID-19 could be a detour. And most of us just hate detours, right? You don't want to come up to a detour. That's nothing to celebrate. A lot of us, you know, we're the kind of people we'd like to, we'd like to go on the straightest route to somewhere as quickly as we can. Let's get right down to business. No nonsense. Let's get right where we need to go. No detours. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, a crisis like COVID-19 could be a detour. Now, now here's what I'm saying to you. Don't despise the detour. Don't despise it because in the wilderness, many times you go places that you've never gone and you see things that you've never seen and you're experiencing things that you've never experienced. In fact, you might just want to take the detour tour (laughs) and take your time on it and maybe even embrace it and learn from it and be teachable in it. Because I promise you, the detour tour has some blessings for you that you would never have had if you kept going down the same path. Anybody remember Paul's ship being broken into pieces in the island of Malta? Yeah, that wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan. And God used it to break out revival, the first recorded revival in scriptures in the New Testament. The wilderness takes us out of automatic. <laughs> we can get comfortable in automatic sometimes, right? And once we come out of automatic, we begin to learn and grow and be vibrant and you begin to experience a whole new level of living. Secondly, after you come out of the wilderness, you become confident in your purpose. I love, I love watching this as Jesus' story unfolds here. Verses 16 
uh, through 20, we see that Jesus was exactly that way after his time of testing. This is what it says. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So coming out of this wilderness experience, Jesus had a sense of mission. He found the place in the scriptures where it talked about him. He said, this is me. This is who I am. <laughs> a sense of purpose that to begin to become more clear and more strong than it had ever been before. And that's exactly what can happen to you and will happen when we come through adversity. I mean, here's the thing. If you're still alive, it's because God isn't finished with you yet. <laughs> He's got a purpose and a plan for you that you are still walking out. And what I want you to know is you can come out of adversity and you can come out of the wilderness, not only walking on a higher level because you made the right choices during the wilderness experience or that wilderness trial, but you come, you're gonna come out with a higher resolve and a clarity of purpose uh, of why you're here. In fact, while you're in the wilderness, let God impress upon you your purpose and your reason for being and come out of the wilderness experience stronger and more equipped and more ready. You will not only experience rising up to a new level of partnership with Holy Spirit, but your faith is also gonna be so much stronger. So you're not only confident in your purpose and your mission in life, but thirdly, you'll possess a moral authority. So we see this in Jesus 2, verses 20. Let's start there. And it says, he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And notice this phrase. It says, the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. They were intent. They were intent in watching him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You've just heard scripture make history. And it came true just right now, right here in this place. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not, he's, he's the one that we've known since he was a little boy, right? Yeah, isn't this the carpenter's kid? Isn't this little Jesus that just spoke up there? We never imagined for him to speak with such authority. We never imagined for him to speak with such conviction and clarity. Jesus has just gone through his wilderness experience and he knows who he is. He's got his identity and he just had a spiritual victory over the evil one. So moral authority, it always is so much higher than position and title. It's based upon who you are. It's based upon what you've overcome. So respect is earned on difficult ground. And so once you go through testing, who's the first person that you respect? It's yourself. It's like, I just walked through that mess. <laughs> so it starts there because you know what you overcame and you understand very quickly the, the adversity that you not only overcame, but now you also feel stronger because you've had to flex some spiritual muscles. And again, there's a moral authority that's given to you that just kind of takes you to a new level of respect and influence with others. We even see it with Jesus, which is a beautiful thing because we are called to be salt seasoning to a bland and flavorless world. <laughs> and we're called to be a light, a city on a hill, a lamp in dark places. Mark Cole, 
He's the CEO of Maxwell Enterprise. He loves to teach on the power of proximity. Um, the fact that when you get close to somebody, when, when, you, when you get close to, to greatness, when, when, when you get close to somebody that you aspire to, um, you know, what's beautiful in that experience is a lot of times it feels like a larger than life experience, right? And you, so you want to step up to that level, bigger than you've ever, you know, been before. You want to you uh, become like them. And so what he likes to do is he likes to get around great leaders and people of influence and ask them questions. He says this is a rhythm in his life. And so he likes to ask him this question in particular, what is the greatest lesson that you've ever learned in your life? And so he'll invite him out for a lunch and he does this and then he just gives him some time to respond and he says, I've had hundreds of answers to that question, but there's one thing over the years, regardless of the person, the background, the profession, there's one thing that the answer to that question always has in common. He's asked the question hundreds of times. And when asked, what's the greatest lesson that you've ever learned? They always, he says, not sometimes, not most of the time, but he says they always go to a difficult time in their life. They always go to a time when they failed greatly, they, a time when adversity you know, almost overcame them. They go to the darkest hours in their life. And out of that darkness, they find a principle of truth, of practice that has absolutely and positively changed their life. That's a big truth to know. I can promise you, if you, can I, if you and I could, could go out and look, you know, five years down the road and look back at 2020, what we're going to see is we're going to find that this time was not only of wilderness, but it was a great time of creativity. It was a great time of, of advancement. It was, it was even a time when the church, I've, I've seen it within our own team and our own staff and, and churches all around the district and in the community asking the questions like, how effective really are we at discipleship? You know, what do we do if, you know, our, our Sunday morning gathering, you know, gathered around the podium you know, is taken away from us. You know, how do we respond? And, and you know, so we're, businesses are having to strategize and reorganize to keep their doors open. We're seeing a lot of shaking going on. And every opportunity, listen to this, is disguised by a difficulty. That's why so many times we don't seize opportunity because all we see is adversity. But inside of that is the possibility, listen this morning, for a God-sized opportunity. <laughs> it's where creativity is found. In fact, when, when people all around you are giving up on hope, we can respond and say, well, we know the answer. And we know that there's always an answer. In fact, to be honest, when God is working in it, there's usually more than one answer. And during the dark times, maybe the time that you're even going through right now, it's the time that presses us. It's the times that we want to say, deliver me, Lord. You know, when is this going to be over? When, I can, when can I get out of this? But let me just say this morning, sometimes we just need to be in the wilderness. Sometimes, you know, there's some wisdom to staying on the operating table until the doctor's finished. Let God finish the surgery. Hold steady. Because I know in your life and I know in my life that there are great lessons to be learned in this season and during this time. We don't curse the wilderness or the season that we're in. We don't run from our problem, but we do run to our source.
And when I ask you, what's the greatest lesson that you've ever learned in your life? Maybe you'll open up sometime down the road and begin to share something that you learned in a very difficult time, in a very difficult season. Perhaps it was, you know, even with your children, how, how you became a better parent. Wow, God can do that. Yeah, God can do that. God can do that from the wilderness, from a difficult season. He turns it around for good. Many of you are familiar with the name John Maxwell. Um, He's a world-famous influencer and a believer. He loves Jesus. He goes around the world teaching biblical leadership principles. And he tells this story. He was talking to the CEO of the second largest tech company in the world. And a pretty marvelous, amazing leader. And John says he was very open and very candid about some of his great failures and and, and some of his mistakes, some decisions that they had made that didn't turn out well. And John turns to him and asked him, would you like to go back to some of those darkest hours and some of your biggest failures and some of your greatest losses? You know, would you like to go back and have another shot? Would you like to have a do-over? And the person's answer, he said this, first of all, John, I've had a lot of failure. (laughs) I've walked through a lot of failure. I've had a lot of disappointments. I've had a lot of losses. But I wouldn't change any of them. I want to leave them as they are. I've had a lot of dark times. I've had a lot of adversity and a lot of failures. Sounds like a great life, right? (laughs) But this is what he said. It was in those difficult hours and it was in that wilderness experience that he learned his life's greatest lessons. That's where my character was developed. I wouldn't want to gloss over the wilderness experiences of my life because they have made me the person that I am today. And if I could go back and try to erase them or miss them somehow, I would lose the growth that I experienced through it. I would lose the lesson. I wouldn't have that, you know, what I have on the inside. I wouldn't be the person of of character and strength that Holy Spirit's trying to birth in me through that process. So no, I've, I've had hurts. I've had a lot of questions. We've experienced a lot of losses lately. And maybe, for some of you, a lot of wilderness. But I'll take it with my Savior by my side because I know that he's with me. And I know that the wilderness experience will make me a stronger and better person. So that's what I'm believing for us, Destiny. I believe that this season is gonna make us a better and stronger people and that sometimes it takes a shakening to awaken us, that you're gonna be truly better on the inside, that it's the light of Jesus shining through us that is life-changing to a world that's trapped in darkness, amen? And what's absolutely beautiful is that when you and I can look at our mess-ups and we can look at the you know, wilderness experience that we're walking through, all we have to do is trust in him. And in fact, Jesus says, I stand at your heart's door and, and I'm knocking, and if you open the door, I'm coming in. And so he wants to take you out of that wilderness experience, and Holy Spirit will take you to a new level this morning and make you stronger for it when you come out on the other side. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father God, you are faithful, and you are good. So no matter what we're walking through this morning, even as a culture in a tough year, even through personal loss, God, even through personal struggles. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would be the equipper of our faith and that, Lord, when we walk out on the other side, we will walk through 
and a greater experience of partnership with what you're gonna do through us, your purposes and plans. God, move us out of our comfort zones. God, sometimes Holy Spirit will lead us as we see in scripture, we read today, into the wilderness experience so that we can walk through on the other side stronger and with more influence and with more impact. So God, we just trust you. We trust you. You are good and you are good all the time. And so we walk with assurity knowing that we can trust you. You never change. You're faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And so God, use this time. <laughs> As Pastor uh, Sandy's word to us this morning you know, spoke to us, we can sing in the springtime, we can sing in the storm because we know you are faithful through it all. So God, we just say use every season in our life to grow us and mature us and what you have for us. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Pastor Derek. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Sean. Amen. All right, guys, we're gonna have, uh, we're gonna be here just a few more minutes. Um, sorry, having trouble getting in the right mindset. I've, internet went down and people on, at home got nothing uh, after worship. So, um, anyway. Uh, you know when you come to the end of what you can do and you get to a point where you realize the thing about wilderness things for me is I don't know that I'm in one until I reach like the end of the road or the bottom of the pit or whatever I get to a point where I realize I'm not happy nothing's working why? and they're like oh I'm supposed to be learning something supposed to be doing something. I mean, I'm in the middle of a, uh, an opportunity. And so anytime in my life that I've gotten to that point, I've always stopped, you know, and it takes, it's always taken forever for me to realize that I'm in one of these kind of testing, training, uh, wilderness type, type moments. And, but when I do realize, I'm like, okay, God, what am I supposed to be learning so I can get out? <laughs> and inevitably, Shortly after that, I learn something. He speaks something. Holy Spirit tells me what's going on. I acclimate to the change and I get out faster than I ever thought I could. And I don't share that with you today to encourage you to get out as fast as you can because these things take time sometimes. And the goal shouldn't be get out as fast as I can. The goal should be what am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to know? What am I supposed to change? What is God working on right now? And uh, over the past few months, we've really changed our language um, up here with the, the salvation time. Because it used to be very clear, you know, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, say a prayer. And we do it, and it was clear. But what we're trying to get into and what we're trying to, to understand, what we're trying to make part of our culture is the understanding that we're in process and that these things take time. Now, it's not to say that Jesus can't fix somebody, can't save somebody, can't free somebody, because he absolutely can. But for the vast majority of us, the, mass, the vast majority of the time, it's a process. And we want to embrace the process. Like Pastor Patricia shared a few months ago, metanoia, uh, how, how the Bible doesn't actually talk about me taking the responsibility to uh, repent for all the things that I've done and putting salvation in my power and my control. Metanoia, the, the word that the Bible uses, is actually meeting with God and letting him change you. 
And if we look at Romans 12, where it talks about um, letting God renew our mind, you know, offering our bodies as a sacrifice, letting God renew our mind. Guys, that takes time. Again, not to say God can't, but there's so much value in the process. So if you're here this morning and you feel like you're, you're, you're getting close to, to Jesus or you're, you're hearing all of this uh, talk about process and how people are in the wilderness and come out better and you don't get that or you, you want to experience that, I want to give you an opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm going to offer some words for you to repeat after me in a minute. And really all we're doing is trying to help give you language to what your heart is already doing. And if you're in the house today and, and you know, you've been a, a Jesus follower for a long time and, uh, you know, maybe what you've done is kind of taken back control or you've said, uh, I don't want to be in this testing thing. I'm going to go do my own thing. Maybe, maybe um, you know, you got in a situation where, where the devil was like, hey, why don't you make some bread? And you were like, sure, I'll do it. And, uh, you know, Jesus... Obviously, Jesus didn't. And so, you know, sometimes when we get into these testing phases and we get things wrong, it just means we got to stay there longer. God doesn't give up. It's not who he is. And if we find ourselves like stepping away from that and, and maybe, maybe we're not following Jesus the way we should, maybe we've, maybe we've taken our lives under, you know, taken uh, control over our own life in a way that's led us to that, that block where it's like, I'm not happy. I'm not getting what I need. I'm not progressing like I should. Maybe today's a wake up call for you that it'd be a good time to resubmit to the testing. Let's put it like that. You know, when you're in school and you have a final exam, you could walk out on that final exam, but you're probably done. It's not like that with Jesus. He's ready to welcome you back in and work on you and work with you. Shoot, it's an open book test, guys. So if you're that person, you just want to get back to where Jesus has for you, where Jesus wants you to be. I'm going to ask you to pray these uh, words after me as well. Uh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me new life. Help me to capitalize on the testing. Jesus, help me learn as much as I can, grow as much as I can, and become as much like you as I can. Jesus, change the way I think and help me to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. So, hey, if you prayed that prayer um, from either of those perspectives, um, we're going to have a prayer team up front for you. We would love for you to come up and talk to them and just share with them what's going on. Basically, we want you to know you're not alone. Um, you know, uh, another thing that that section of Romans 12 talks about is how we belong to one another. The body belongs to one another. Uh, so I'm not standing around all by myself, just me and Island. I belong to you. And, and when you need help, I'm here for you, and, and vice versa, I would, I would hope. And so, um, really, the prayer teams are here for you that way, but also, um, if you just want to go online, if you, if you don't want to talk to somebody in person, maybe you're in a rush today, that's fine. Um, you can go to uh, www.mydestiny.family slash next steps, and um, you, can, you can sign up there. We'll, we'll give you some, some stuff that you can do. We'll connect you with people. We'll 
do everything we can to help you get to where you want to be. Amen? All right. That's all I've got for you guys today. So go out and give them. Amen. Guys, have a great week.